welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. how much comes in in the miracle offering on the first weekend of December and uh, I forgot to say this if you some people said like oh I get a bonus at the end of the year you can do it then just write on an envelope and say it's coming soon all right we'll believe by faith but anyways it is exciting and I want to welcome everybody that's watching on the internet Um, I don't know what that looked like to you when we're all giving but they're smiling here I can just guarantee you that anyways uh, with this message on thin ice Uh, How many are thankful that in Minnesota, when we kind of rip off winter, how many are thankful for that? When it's really warm, you have like uh, a November that feels like September, and uh, yeah. How many don't want to say anything because you're like, don't say anything. It could snow any day, right? You're like, shh, pastor, don't say anything. You know, I'm not like Pastor Darren. Pastor Darren said he loves winter. I only like it, all right? I only like winter, and I like it especially when I'm cheating it and I'm on vacation or something, and I'm in a warm spot. But uh, how many know in Minnesota, cold weather is a reality? It is a reality. It is coming whether we pray and fast. It's coming, and it uh, doesn't matter with global warming. It's still coming. And uh, with this, uh, you know, you, you, if you travel enough in Minnesota, you know that snow's coming. And if you're a smart traveler, how many of you have like a safety kit in your car? Raise your hand here or at all the campuses. Raise your hand. Look at those are the people that are smart. You want to be their friends. All right. When I was younger, when I was a teenager, my mom used to come up to me every winter and she used to say, it's going to snow. You need to have a safety survival box in your car. I've made it for you. There's, you know, like power bars in there. There's candles. There's matches. There's one of those tinfoil reflector blankets. I don't even know if they work. You know what I'm talking about? And it, she'd put all these, a flare. She'd have a little red, you know, handkerchief in there so you could tie it on your antenna in case you plowed it into the snowbank. How many know she probably saw me drive? You know what I mean? You know, but she said, it's cold. You got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. You are going to be out there. You better be uh, aware. This is pre-cell phone. And now I'd say, don't travel in the winter without a cell phone. At least have a cell phone in Minnesota because it's cold out there. And so we plan. And um, if you're even planning to work in the cold, how many know that if you're working outside in Minnesota in the winter, they'll say like, hey, the chill index is this. Watch out. Be careful. Cover your ears cover this. And if you have to work outside, you plan accordingly, right? If you're going to work a full day outside, you're thinking, all right, I'm going to be out there eight hours or 12 hours. I need the boots. I need dress in layers. I need to make sure that I'm ready. Got to cover my ears. You know, if it's really cold, you're wondering if you want those little heat packets, you know what I'm talking about? And you're thinking, okay, do I have shelter to go in? Do I have something warm? And so you strategize, okay? Because you know you're going to be in the cold because we live in Minnesota. 
Okay, but let me ask you this. If we plan for the cold, and we're talking about thin ice in this series, we're talking about temptation more than the cold. You know that you're going out into a world tomorrow that's going to be full of temptation. You know that the world doesn't dress the exact way that God says glorifies him. You know that they tell jokes the way that God would not have you tell jokes. You know that they're coming at you with advertisement and all this stuff, and you are stepping out into an environment of temptation, and I'm going to ask you this, do you have a plan for your day tomorrow? Do you have a plan for temptation, or do you just live your life like, I never thought about it. I just kind of go out there. You're like the person that doesn't know what they're doing. You're probably like the person in the cold Minnesota winter that licks the frozen pole, okay? (laughs) You got to have a plan. You have to have a plan when it comes to temptation. I would bet that you get tempted at least once an hour. Think about it. And if you're awake tomorrow for 16 hours, that means 16 times you are going to face temptation to either tell a lie, to look at something you shouldn't look at, to do something you know you shouldn't do, and the devil is going to try to tempt you, and so many of us have no plan, no plan whatsoever. And so continuing with this Thin Ice series and and with the series that we're in, I want to give you a plan, and we're going to eventually get to Luke chapter 4, so if you want, you can turn there, but I'm going to read a couple scriptures before we get there, and I am going to give you a plan on how to overcome temptation, how to stay off the thin ice. Okay, the first thing is really easy. It's learning just to say no. Learning just to say no to temptation. You know, in the 80s, President Ronald Reagan, his wife Nancy had this anti-drug campaign, and she said, just say no. And a lot of people mocked her. They're like, Nancy, it's not that simple. I mean, there's a lot of complexities to drug abuse, and there's a lot of complexities when you're a teenager, and people are going to offer you drugs. But how many know that it starts with a just say no? It starts with inside, whether you say it out loud or whether you determine it in your spirit, I will say no to temptation. So everybody practice with, with that with me. Ready? One, two, three. No. All right? So you've you got to learn to say that to temptation. I'm going to say no to temptation. Matter of fact, Titus 2, verses 11 and 12 says this. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. It's saying that the same grace of God that forgives us of our sins gives us the power to say no to the things that are ungodly. So we've got to start with a no and say no. I know it's more complex with that, but I have to determine in my heart that when temptation comes my way, my answer is no. Not maybe, not let me look, not let me see what it looks, nothing. It's no. The answer is no. Now moving on from that in the plan that we've talked about is we need to say help. We don't just say no, but we say help. And we need to breathe up a prayer of help, saying, God, help me, help me. I need help. I need your strength in this situation. And how many know that God will give you the strength you need? He will give you the strength when you're facing that temptation. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 15, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their cry. He is going to hear your cry when you cry for help. Many of us don't cry for help. 
many of us go to temptation, we're kind of like, is he looking? You know, I mean, like, okay, you know. No, we should be saying no, and we should be crying out for help. And I want to tell you this, you don't just cry out for help in your own strength. You cry out for help in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you this, when you are facing temptation, there's nothing wrong with saying, in the name of Jesus, I'm saying no to that. In the name of Jesus, give me the strength. In the name of Jesus, I need help. Aren't you glad it's not in your name, it's in his name. His name is powerful, and we need to say it, and I believe that every time we start to speak the name of Jesus in a moment of temptation, even under your breath, you could say the name, say the name, say the name, say the name, over and over, you could say the name of Jesus, say the name of Jesus, say the name of Jesus, and overcome that temptation. It will, he will give you the strength to overcome the temptation. Philippians 2, verses 11 through 13, it says, therefore, and it's really saying therefore because of the cross, God has exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name of Jesus is powerful. You call out for help and you say, Jesus, in your name I need help. In the name of Jesus I overcome this temptation. I'll say it under my breath all the time. Jesus, in your name, I am not falling for this temptation. You know, I don't have to shout it out loud. I can say it under my breath, but I'm saying, in the name of Jesus, I am not falling for this. In the name of Jesus, give me the strength as I face this temptation. The name of Jesus has authority over all other spiritual forces in this world. The name of Jesus has authority over any attack that you face spiritually. It is a powerful name because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross and the fact that he rose again from the dead. It says that name is powerful. Now I want you to understand this. It comes from a systematic theology book, but I want you to catch this. I'm going to read this for you and listen to this about the authority of the name of Jesus. It says, A person's response to a command is often based in part on the relationship shared between the deliverer of the command and the recipient. If the deliverer has a place of authority in the life of the recipient, the command is often followed, and at the very least, it is taken seriously. Okay? So what it means, it means that if the name of Jesus has authority over the situation and you say the name of Jesus, if that spirit is subject to the name of Jesus, it responds. It responds. It has to because it is in under authority of the name of Jesus. Let me illustrate you th this in a very practical way. If you have brothers and sisters, I happen to have three younger brothers when I grew up. And uh, found out later on that I had an older sister. That's a whole other story. But I had three younger brothers. And when I was growing up, I had three year, younger brothers. And sometimes I would go around the house. Parents, my parents would ask me to do something. And they'd say, go get your brother and ask them to help you. So I'd go up to them and I'd say, hey, you need to help me take out the trash. And I'd try to throw it in my authority. And if they were a good brother, how many know they'd come back? Says Who? then I realized my name had no authority in that situation. And I'd say, Mom and Dad. <laughs> and how many know because they were in direct relationship with Mom and Dad, and the name Mom and Dad, they were in authority over them. They'd help only because of their relationship, not because of me, but because they were under authority of that name. Now, there's a lot of things that you're going to face, and you don't have the power, but God will give you the power when you say no, and when you ask for help, 
in the name of Jesus, speak the name of Jesus in the situation and take authority over that situation through the power of his name. Okay, now Luke chapter 4, um, we're going to get there. Um, I'm reading it from the message translation. I don't always read from the message translation, but I want you to see this temptation almost in a relational conversation way. I want you to understand that Jesus, like Hebrews 4.15 says, was tempted in every way the same way we are. And he didn't sin. That's what it says. So I want you to understand and see this. Jesus was tempted in the same way we are, and he didn't sin. And I want you to learn from his temptation how he overcame the devil and how you can. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. It says, now Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wild. For 40 wilderness days and nights, he was tested by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when the time was up, he was hungry. The devil, playing on his hunger, gave the first test. Since you're God's son, command the stone to turn into a loaf of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to really live. For the second test, he led him up and spread out all the kings of the earth on display at once. Then the devil said, they're yours in all their splendor to serve your pleasure. I'm in charge of them all and can turn them over to whomever I wish. Worship me and they're yours. The whole works. Jesus refused again, backing his refusal with Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only the Lord your God. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. For the third test, the devil took him to Jerusalem and put him on top of the temple. And he said, if you are God's son, jump. It's written, isn't it, that he has placed you in the care of the angels to protect you. They will catch you. You won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Yes, said Jesus, and it's also written, don't you dare tempt the Lord your God. That completed the testing. The devil retreated temporarily, lying in wait for another opportunity. The third key for us to overcome temptation was right there. It is using the word of God to overcome temptation. This is God's word. And when we are faced in a tempting situation, we say no. And the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness. We cry out for help because we need it. And we use the name of Jesus because that's the authority. And then we start quoting the word of God. And don't let the world say to you, it's just a book. This is God's word. It's powerful. And it's what you need to have the victory. And you can quote this to the enemy when you're being tempted. You can quote the word of God and draw strength from the word of God because that's what Jesus did. Now let me say this. This test, this time of temptation that was there, happened right after Jesus had one of his best moments in his life. He's just been water baptized by John, and God the Father speaks out from heaven, and everyone can hear it. And he's saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a good day. Then the Holy Spirit descends like a dove on him. Everyone can see this. That's incredible. That's an amazing moment. He is at the peak. This is a great moment. And he goes straight from this amazingly great moment into the wilderness for this testing. And I want to tell you this. I believe many times when you're at the peak, when you're like, God, I've just had an amazing breakthrough. God, it's been incredible. All of a sudden, you become susceptible to a temptation. The enemy knows that you're feeling good. The enemy knows that you're up high. And all of a sudden, he thinks that maybe you're overconfident. 
Maybe you don't realize it was God that got you the victory. You think you got the victory and you become overconfident and he could come in at that time and tempt you with something because you're thinking, surely I can't fall. I'm wonderful. I'm doing great for the Lord. I can't fall. I'm doing fantastic. And maybe you've seen it in pro sports where a team is overconfident and then they lose. That's what the Vikings are praying every week for. You know, that their <laughs> opponent is overconfident. I mean, that they're over. you know, anyways. And, uh, but you see that. You get high, you think you're good. If you think you don't need this message because you're doing great, you're in a bad place. You need this message. You need this message. So sometimes it's when we're up high, and matter of fact, I've seen this when I was a youth pastor. Seems like whenever we had the best breakthrough spiritually, that was the time at camp that the kids were the worst that night. You know, they're like, I love you, God, at the altar. It's an amazing thing. You let them out at the end of the night. And that night, they're lighting things on fire, sneaking out with their girlfriend. You know, doing, you know you're like, no, jet skiing in the middle of the night. You're like, no, you know, don't waste the work, you know. We still want to give to camp, all right? So anyway. But their breakthrough all of a sudden makes you think you're good. And it was you that got the breakthrough. You didn't get it. God's strength. It was the name of Jesus that did it. So you could be there, but you could also be down, and that seems logical, that when you're hungry, angry, lonely, tired, you know, all of a sudden you're susceptible, and you could fall to temptation. Those are places, but look at this. Jesus was at a great spot, and he didn't fall for the temptation. Now, in this temptation, we see him overcome the attacks of the devil, and the first one is the lust of the flesh. The devil plays on his hunger. And can I tell you this about temptation? Sometimes the devil plays on things that make sense. Okay? He, Jesus is hungry. He hasn't eaten for 40 days. And the devil's like, well, you know, you should, you're hungry. Why don't you turn the stone, get something to eat? Go ahead and do this. And he's basically saying, forget the calling and go for comfort. Because that's what happens in the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh says, forget that you're a Christian. Do what's comfortable. It says, forget that you're a young adult trying to live for God and live pure. Do what's comfortable. And it might even make sense what the enemy says to you. The enemy says, you're paying rent for a place and she's paying rent for a place. Why not come together and share a place even though you're not married and you'll have extra money. And then you'll have, you could even give some of that money to church. Look at that. And some of us are like, that makes total sense. Why don't we see if we're compatible before we get married? That makes sense in the world, you see? And he says, forget your calling, that you're called to live pure in this world. Do what's comfortable. Follow the lust of the flesh. The, the devil may say to you, don't pay all your taxes. The government's corrupt. Don't do that. Give it to the church instead. Don't pay. Cheat on your taxes and don't even feel guilty about it. That's the devil, by the way. Okay? devil says, oh, they don't need that. You don't need to follow the Lord with your finances. You don't need to do that. Don't do it. Don't, the church doesn't need it. No, you don't need it. You need it worse than they do, don't you? And you're thinking, yes, I do. And so Alvison at comfort instead of calling. Have you been called to do it? Are you going to choose the comfortable? Many times it makes sense in the natural, but it's the wrong thing and it leads to death. Okay, that's the attack of the lust of flesh. And he overcomes it with the word of God. And let me just say this. I love this. And if you don't get anything else, get this. Jesus did not have like a super secret weapon to overcome temptation. He used the same weapons we have available to us. Same thing. 
He didn't say, well, now I'm going to throw a little God power on you, devil, and you're done with it. It was the same power you and I have available to us. That's what he used. It was the word of God, and he overcomes the temptation. Okay? So he's going on, and, and he has another temptation that comes against him, which we know is the lust of the eyes. He says, I want to give you all this. Look at all this and get excited about the stuff of the world instead of what the Spirit wants you to do. First one was comfort instead of calling. This is stuff instead of spirit. It's materialism. And it's all the I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And you want to take shortcuts for it. You think of ways to beat the system. And you think about, oh, I, I got to have it. And you start to want what your neighbors have. And how many know in America we're really good at this sin? Oh, and, and we have the lust of the eyes and it looks good to us and we want it and we want that and we want that and we, we're, oh, I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I gotta have it. I want the stuff, not the spirit. Do not let the devil trick you into being about the stuff. This stuff does not matter. This stuff does not, the, the more stuff that I get, the more it doesn't matter. It's a crazy thing. And I can tell you this, it's been a, a crazy thing. The more I give, the more Things have been blessed. And I'm not trying to give to say, God, as I give, uh, you know, please, come on, remember, I'm, I'm up in the ante here. It just seems the more I give, the more stuff, and then the more the stuff means nothing. It's just a crazy, don't get trapped into stuff, stuff, stuff. Follow what the Spirit says. Follow what the Spirit says. Jesus did, and he used the word to come back again. Again, no secret weapon. For the third test, he takes him to Jerusalem, puts him on top of the temple. And you may not realize this, the temple was 200 feet tall. I did not realize this until I went there for the first time in Jerusalem. I mean, I went to Bible college, everything. I didn't realize the temple was 200 feet tall. If you've ever seen a, a picture of modern-day uh, Jerusalem and you see the Dome of the Rock, which is actually a mosque, if you see that there, the temple was about three times taller than that. It was almost on that exact spot, three times taller, 200 feet tall. And the devil takes him there and says, you know what? If you'll go ahead and jump down from here, everybody will see it. You can put God to a test. And, and the interesting thing, the devil quotes the word to Jesus. Isn't that an interesting? He quotes, he twists it. He twists it. He puts a little half-truth twist on it. Tries to get him tricked. Okay? Just a thought. What if the devil knows more memory verses than you do? He's like, well, the word says this. And you're like, it does? I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Just think about it. So he twists it just a little twist. And he says, if you jump down from here, and basically he's saying, if you choose Hollywood over humility, if you choose the sensational, if you try to make it all about you instead of humility, making it all about God, they'll worship you. They'll think you're pretty amazing. If you do this spectacular feat, it'll be so good. Why don't you do it? And he's like, no, God has called me to live a life of humility. I'm on this earth to glorify my Father in heaven. I'm not here to do this sensational stuff and to do it like that and try to bring attention to me. I'm trying to show how good God is and how much your Heavenly Father, I, I'm trying to show the world how much their Heavenly Father loves them. Hollywood, Flash, it's all about you. Come on, paparazzi. Right here, if you do this, they will be taking your picture, man. You'll be doing this. It's all for you. He says, no. God has called me to serve this way. This is the way that I'm going to do it. That it says, the devil leaves him. Because he quotes the word again, third time. Quotes the word. It says, the devil leaves him. That's great. But then it says, bad news. Temporarily. Temporarily. 
Can I speak to those that are battling with the temptation? People coming, Pastor Rob, how old do you have to be to, to never have to battle lust? And then I, I was wondering, do they think like I'm really old or something when they ask me that? Like, how old do you have to be? And I'm like, I think you have to be dead, okay? You know, dead, okay? It's going to be a battle. The enemy knows what you're made of. Okay, how old do you have to be where you never, how much money do you have to make before you really, really aren't tempted to do this, that? Well, you know what? I think you're always going to be tempted. Be faithful in little so you can be faithful in much. Well, when does it end? When does it, you know, it's a temporary thing. That's the truth. It's just like our our Minnesota winters. It's going to be cold. There's going to be snow. You better plan. The ice is going to be, you better plan. It's going to come. It's, it's going to come in a cycle. There's a moment where the devil says, all right, you, you pass this one. And he leaves, but he starts looking for an opportune moment to come after you again. He never stops. He never stops. So you just got to be ready. And you've got to be able to say, all right, this last thing, move on. Move on. And one of you two needs to move. Either you need to resist the temptation so the devil moves on, or there are times in temptation you just need to move on. Move on. Get out of that situation. You're like, say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Say, I got a scripture. I got a scripture. And you're staring temptation right in the face. You just need to run. Okay? You just need to run and move on. And there's your strategy. If you say no, if you say help in the name of Jesus, if you speak the word of God and you use that in your moment of temptation, because I guarantee you there is something in here that will help you with every, every temptation you face, And then you just move on or you see that you have the breakthrough and the enemy has moved on. And that is a great strategy so that you can overcome temptation and not be a victim and live the life that Jesus Christ wants you to live.